eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue. blue. This, this is, pod, is for you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Oh, he tried to be the hero. He tried to be legendary, but it was not to be on MLK Day. This is EJ Stewart. You are listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast and hosted by WFAN and Odyssey. Make sure you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you can get it wherever you get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure when you get this podcast, you hit the auto download feature and the subscribe feature so you get the podcast whenever we drop. We drop three episodes a week talking Knicks basketball. I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Beer. Tommy, my friend, another game, another Knicks collapse in the fourth quarter. And there were times in this game where you thought, well, maybe this time they will pull it out, but it was not to be. They've overcome some of these collapses against lesser teams, the Pacers, et cetera. But the Raptors had a little bit too many, you know, a few too many playmakers with Van Vliet and Siakam hit a bunch of big shots. Scotty Barnes made some big plays down the stretch. Yep. Um, so it wasn't to be almost some incredible moments. Um, we'd be leading with RJ's Barrett dunk, uh, RJ Barrett's dunk if somehow the Knicks had come back in overtime. But as you know, it wasn't meant to be. And uh, the Knicks lose another one at home, under 500 at home. Um, some stuff to correct going forward. Yeah, the home play has definitely become a problem. Free throws have certainly become a problem. So we'll be talking about all of that on this episode, including a conversation about the latest trade rumors happening with the New York Knicks. One New York Knicks who was linked in trade rumors may not be going anywhere based on the last things we're hearing. So we'll discuss that. And we're nearing the end of our midseason grades. We've done the head coach. We've done the front office. We've done the guards. Today, we'll be talking about the forwards on this team. We know Julius Randle's had a great year. We know R.J. Barrett has turned it around. But what about some of these other guys on the bench and how we grade those forwards? It should be an interesting conversation. So it should be a fun episode. But let's begin with the Martin Luther King Day matinee affair that happened between the Knicks and the Raptors. The Knicks losing a heartbreaker, 123-121 in overtime. It was a seesaw battle. I saw the Knicks go ahead by nine points with 539 left in the fourth quarter. But if you're a Knicks fan, you've been watching the season, you know that that is not a safe lead at all. And it was not safe in this situation as well. Uh, they got the Raptors got some clutch play from Fred Van Vliet. He had a game high 33 points, 
helped Toronto pull ahead late in regulation. But it was R.J. Barrett, who Tommy mentioned, almost became the hero uh, with his 32 points and an absolute tomahawk that almost took the roof off Madison Square Garden towards the end of regulation over Scotty Barnes that tied the game at 110 in regulation. In overtime, Knicks went behind but still had a chance to win it on the final play with Jalen Brunson. He tried to be the hero. He tried to be legendary. He pulled up for three on a fast break to go for the win, being down by two. But the shot hit back iron. The Knicks lose. That snaps the three-game win streak the Knicks had. So I'll start it there on the Brunson play. This Tommy, I, I tweeted it pretty much as soon as I saw it. And I'm, I'm giving you my live reaction. I'm watching the play unfold. We talk about Tibbs. Decided not to take a timeout. Zero problem. You got the guy with the ball in his hand that you want. You got the best creator on the team with the ball in his hands. The Raptors are backpedaling. They're on their heels. I have no problem with Tibbs at all saying Jalen Brunson just go. Jalen Brunson pulls up to the three-point line, decides to go for the three, down by two. I'll be honest, I think he made the wrong choice. And I do not think it was a confirmation bias thing where I saw him miss and I'm saying he made the wrong choice. But I I really think he should have went to the hole for a couple reasons. Number one, uh, I think he had plenty of time to do so. I think that he had drops right where they wanted him. And Jalen Brunson, we've seen his ability to get to the rim and finish. I think that he had a, a really good shot to get a good shot off. You know, that wasn't a three-pointer in transition. Number two, the way the game was called. Now, it does go kind of both ways because in some instances, Knicks didn't get great calls. But I thought particularly in overtime, the referees were calling it very tight. And I think that if Jalen Brunson takes it to the rim hard, I think there's a chance he gets fouled. Now, does he make the free throws? It's a whole other conversation. But I think given the chance, he would have a chance to either tie the game with an actual layup or tie the game at the free throw line potentially. I would have taken that over the transition pull-up three. A three that he's been hitting with more regularity of late, but I, I just didn't love that shot in the moment. Brunson had a great season. If he makes that shot, the guy is an absolute legend. But uh, I, I think he should have took it to the hole. What do you think about that Brunson decision to go for the win? I like it. Um, as you, with you, I have absolutely no problem with Brunson not calling the timeout. Um, got the ball in the hands of your creator, your best player, your best clutch player. Um, and as far as Brunson goes, um, I like the shot, um, Mm. shooting 40% from three on the season, shooting 50% from three in January, um, second night of a back-to-back. Yes, you're at home. Um, but the guys are exhausted. We'll get into that later. Um, three is for the win Two, you go to over, you know, step inside the arc. You're probably going overtime at best. Um, Brunson obviously there wasn't a ton of time left and Brunson you know is, is obviously crafty but a lot of that is pump fakes and, and and setting a pivot foot and throwing you know it's not like he has the all the time in the world to create as he usually does you know it's not not a typically a straight line driver where he's going to get to the rim and jump over people um so that doesn't have enough time to kind of utilize and, and benefit from his craftiness um and the other thing even, even if he gets fouled as you mentioned that you know there's a good chance he'd get a foul drawn um he's been shaky at, at times at at the free throw line um so i you know that, that that is something that i wouldn't um you know what i what i feel confident make him sure you know he's like, he made 33 yeah. in a row um but at the end of games he missed one late in the fourth um randall missed one uh late in the fourth as well yeah um so you know again the, the prospects of going to double overtime um are, are worrisome um and 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 just you know first reaction gut thing if you could have like paused the game, you know, like whatever commercial that was, where you <laughs> yeah, you know, play you playing two K, he paused there exactly. Like I would have bet money that 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 shot would have dropped. 
Um, mm. You know, he's been incredibly clutch in big spots throughout the season. Um, he just hasn't doesn't have that game winner on his resume yet. It will come yeah. at that plus. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, all things considered, I uh, I don't have a problem with the shot. Obviously, you'd rather it go in, but I really did think when he let it go. We were on the verge of a. I could hear the Breen. I could hear Breen, you know, getting ready to give out a loud bang, maybe a double bang. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but but it wasn't meant to be. But yeah, in in retrospect, I, I can't knock the decision. Yeah, it's funny. You could kind of hear the the gardening kind of like you know that that like ex that like ex that inhale as the shot went up, kind of ready for what was supposed to be uh, a, a a big moment, and it did not come. And it's hard to really fault him. I'm not going to kill Jalen Brunson for taking that shot at all. I mean, he's earned that right for sure. It was a good look. You know, it's just in that moment and how good he is at getting to the rim, how good he is at floaters and various different finishes and as good he is as at drawing fouls. I just I thought that there was a better opportunity to definitely get that game to overtime had he taken that to the cup than take the three. But, look, I, I respect him for, for wanting that shot. I respect him for – having the cojones to take that shot. And I, I think that at some point he will knock one of those down. Just to come on Monday, Monday King Day. 100%. And, and as our JJ, uh, as our producer, JJ noted, it was a Villanova guy. Like that would have been cool because that would have been like the crowning moment of his incredible first half of his incredible first season with the Knicks, you know, like that would have been like, Oh, there's, there's the all-star moment that you're playing the clip. Um, you know, ha- had that shot drop. That would have been a fun one. Yeah, it, it would have been. And, and Knicks unfortunately did lose this game. What did you think of the refereeing in this game? Because that was some of the conversation. The, the Raptors had 41 free throws. The Knicks did have 35, but it felt like for a lot of that game, the Knicks were not getting equal uh, equal calls in this. And, and it's something that I've kind of seen all season. Now, again, Knicks aren't making free throws, so maybe that's not uh, the worst thing in the world. They're not being sent to the line. But you had the last play with R.J. Barrett, where if you're watching the post game or if you're on Twitter, I mean, you saw Alan Hahn, MSG, saying that, you know, Clearly, Scotty Barnes has his arm over R.J. Barrett as he's going to block that shot. That could have been an and one. I certainly don't disagree with that. I don't think they're going to call that, but it, it was a foul. There's no question. You can't you can't grab the guy's arm. It's going for a dunk. But, you know, it just seemed like there were some ticky-tack calls that went against the Knicks. It seemed like, you know, for a team that has players like R.J. and, and Brunson and Randall, guys who are physical players offensively, it just seems like they don't get the same calls that, other teams guys do. I mean, you know, you touch Siakam, he's going to the line. You touch Scotty Barnes, they're going to the line. And we saw a lot of that in this game as well. How do you how do you feel about the refereeing? Did you have a problem with the with the RJ Dunk not being called in one? I didn't. Um, I was sort of surprised that Han made such a big deal of it. Um, yeah. I get it. It was a foul, you know, but in that in that in that moment, um, I was I wasn't surprised at all that they didn't call the foul. Even in slow motion, did he foul? Him? Sure. Um, you know, I'd be interesting to see what the last two minute report says. Um, I don't I don't believe it came out. You have a recording this on uh, Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. Um, but um, the in that moment, had he missed the dunk, they would have called it. You know, then they, then he would have got to got to the line. But he, you know, it didn't really impact his ability to to score. Um, and, you know, for him to get an N1 in that situation, unless it's really obvious, um, and it didn't look so, especially, you know, we we see it on slow-mo replay, and we see the picture and, and Barnes's hand on his arm. Um, RJ was just moving at such an incredible clip and, and threw it down with such force and veracity that it didn't seem like anybody impacted his ability to score right. that play. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't have a major issue with that call not being made. Um, there were some other questionable calls here and there, but I don't really think the Knicks got um, 
you know, screwed by the refs or, you know, got the bad end of a whistle uh, for the most part. Again, as you know, um, Raps took 41 free throws. The Knicks took 35 themselves. And the Raptors are just more the more aggressive team for most of the game. Um, part of that has to do with the fact that they had to claw and fight back, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, after the Knicks did so in the first. Um, and they just have, you know, again, they're, that's just the, more their mentality, more their style. They're more comfortable um, using their length to force turnovers, get out in transition and, and, and score on fast breaks. And that, that tends to lead to fouls on, on, on transition takes, um, whereas the Knicks are more comfortable operating in the half court. Um, so, yeah, I, I, uh, were there some questionable calls Yes, but there were also questionable calls that went against the Raptors as well, you know. And the other thing is, when you get a guy like Randall who could have easily been hit with a tech late in yeah, that, he yeah he was bugging. He was out of control, and yeah. that he could have very easily been hit with a tech. And had they lost the game because he got hit with that tech, he would be getting demolished. So he should send a thank you note. I'm not sure if it was Scott Forster or what referee he was yelling at, um, but he he he, he lost it uh, for a minute there. Um, referees looked the other way, let him scream for uh, even more than just one or one on two occasions, you know, coming up and down the floor. Um, yeah. So again, I don't, I don't think the game was about the referees. Um, I'm tend to not focus too much, uh, you know, not to make too big of a deal about, about whistles and refs. Um, because again, this game is 53 minutes. There's a lot of, you know, you know, there are certain games where it really does impact, but this one yeah. wasn't to me where that was the deciding factor. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think, I think that, Look, like I said, I, I hate when Knicks play against the Raptors. I do feel like the Raptors get great whistle. And, and you know, the, <laughs> the Raptors are one of those weird teams to me. It's like because they have a lot of skinny guys who play physical, like, it just they seem to be more likely to get called. So, like, you know, Siakam is a skinny dude, but he's not afraid to just throw his body around. And they call a foul. You know, Scotty Barnes is, is not necessarily, a, you know, a big, strong dude, but he plays physical. And he gets, throws his body around and he gets called. You know, Fred Van Vliet is, you know, 5'11", maybe. And, you know, he's a he's a guy who's not afraid and they get foul calls. And sometimes it's frustrating when you see the Knicks, you know, Boucher's another guy who went to the free throw line four times yesterday. Like you see the Knicks, you say, man, like Knicks have players who always attack the room hard or always playing through contact. And they don't seem to get those whistles consistently. Tom Thibodeau after the game said uh, he has no issue with the refereeing in the game. But he just wishes the calls be consistent. I do feel that. But at the same time, I think that when you fail to shoot free throws the way the Knicks do. And, and 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 you have those other lapses in the game. It was hard for me to kind of look at that and say, okay, the refereeing was a big issue. I'm one of the, I am unlike Tommy in this. I will roast the refs. I am very much the guy who will say the refs are hosing the Knicks. I don't know if yesterday or that that Monday game was the the greatest example of that, but you, I would like to see Knicks get some some more calls. I, I just I think it's ridiculous that you know I think the times where RJ gets goes to the rim and. You know, because he's not the fast, he's not blowing it by his guy clean. He's getting contact, but it's like you, you can't just ride into the rim and just keep shoving him, or you can't do that to Randall. Like you have to call something, and uh, the Knicks sometimes don't get those whistles. So that's sometimes frustrating. And speaking of the Raptors, and the Knicks are back in Toronto Sunday. Um, they're, they're, there's another rematch, um, so they'll, they'll see these guys again in a, in a few days this weekend. Um, and Fred Van Vliet was questionable coming into the game, had nine points earlier in the week, uh, late last week. Scotty Barnes is, you know, Van Vliet shooting like, you know, 29% from three and below 40% from the floor. Um, but whenever he plays the Knicks, he seems to, to bring out his best. Um, and, and he had another big game, even though he had that stupid. Yeah. Game. Like, yeah, he was he was talking a lot during that game. I mean, the whole the Raptors team was talking a lot. They there's something with these two teams. Like, I don't yeah. know. 
what it is. I don't know. Sometimes it's just great competition. Sometimes yes. you have two teams yes. that play together and they know that they're going to be tough games and that kind of breeds a level of contempt. That very well could be it, but it is something. Because you have yes. Scotty Barnes, you know, telling yes. Quentin Grimes, you're not him, you're not him. You had uh, Fred Van Vliet talking to Jalen Brunson all night. I think yep. that in some ways I feel like Van Vliet probably feels like, you know, Jalen Brunson's kind of taking his spot yes. as that kind of underheralded, yes. underrated all-star guard in Eastern Conferences. It seemed like yep. he had something to prove in that game. You know, Pascal Siakam was talking a lot, whether it was the Knicks or to the refs all game. It just was a, a game where everybody was talking a lot. I, I do – one thing I will say is I did agree with the notion that I don't think this is a team Knicks want to see in a 7-10 matchup or 8-9 matchup at all. No. Uh, the Raptors, the ability to switch on multiple players, the way the Raptors uh, orchestrate their offense against the Knicks, I, I just don't like this matchup. Every time the Knicks play this team, it, it just looks like it's going to be extremely difficult. And the Knicks right now are 1-2, and two, and this is a team that is four games under five hundred. So. Yeah. Uh, they're not necessarily out of it when it comes to the playoff picture and the playing picture. The Knicks certainly have not secured a playoff spot. So uh, Knicks got to tighten things up or hope that they do not see this team because uh, the Raptors get them trouble. hundred percent. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a bad matchup for New York. And uh, yeah. And, and even last night, yesterday, the afternoon's game, it just had that playoff feel, had that playoff intensity. Yeah. Um, and I assume we'll see it again Sunday. So it should be, uh, should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It will be a good one. Uh, another one of these games where teams that have, played a lot in a short amount of time. We'll play again. Like the Raptors and Knicks will complete their series on Sunday. I'm not sure how much I love that because you have two teams that are in the same division. Now, you know, I don't think a lot of people thought Knicks and Raptors would be going for the Atlantic division lead. But, like, you know, maybe there was a situation where that was the case. Like, I, I, it would have been nice to have some of those team games spread out into March or April where there could have been more significant games. Um, you know, these are two teams that will be in the play-in, playoff picture. So, uh, the fact that these teams who clearly don't like each other very much won't be playing for the rest of the year, probably not the greatest for the NBA, right. but uh, but this is what the NBA has been doing. They like to kind of like bunch up a lot of these games and get some of these series out of the way. A lot of teams the Knicks haven't even seen, uh, they'll be playing in the second half, like a team like Miami, who's also in that playing situation. They'll get them, I think, in a couple of weeks as well. So uh, Knicks lose this game. Uh, before we get to some of the trade stuff, the Knicks do have another one on uh, thir- uh, Wednesday, I believe, they faced the the uh, Washington Wizards, a team that we also saw last week, and the Knicks beat them on Friday. Any any quick thoughts on just that game? Yeah, you know, this is, again, an- another, you know, we're still waiting on uh, updates, see if Bradley Beal gets it's, gets back in the lineup. But, you know, the, right. the Raptors are a team that, like like the um, the Wizards are a team, like the Raptors, that are just kind of floating around that 11, 10, 9 area 12 area um so they're 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 a team that obviously wants to put together wins um but the team that the knicks should be able to take advantage of due to their you know just being more talented uh, especially at the point guard position um but as we saw last week uh kyle kuzma is not somebody you can you can sleep on Um, so the knicks have to do a better job of of keeping him in check and and porzingis um got hot late down the stretch so that that's certainly something to keep an eye on as well yeah, I think, it's, I think it should be a good game. I think the Washington showed that they can play the Knicks tough, even though the Knicks were able to kind of pull away in that one. And you said Kyle Kuzma, a big game in that one. He had 40, so R.J. Barrett's going to have to tighten up the defense in that game for sure. Should be a, another good one, but it should be another winnable game. And Knicks yes. have had plenty of these. Uh, we talked about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, that the Knicks had a pretty much a good stretch here of winnable games. Since we said that, Knicks are 5-2. and two. You gotta feel good. You can't win everything every game. So five and two, you'll certainly take their five and one going into that game. Yeah, a couple more of these games coming up. They could finish the stretch something like a, a seven and three or eight and two. That would be great because the schedule does get very tough towards the end of January. But the Knicks, yeah, just 
just yeah. just looking ahead at the schedule, you know, you got the Wiz on Wednesday, then the Hawks in Atlanta um, on Friday. That's a winnable game. Um, yep. And then they got this an, another rematch with the Raptors, and then things get really tough, you know. Yep. Um, you host the, the Cavs, then you're at Boston, then you're at Brooklyn, then you host LeBron and the Lakers. Uh, then you got the Heat, the Clippers, the Sixers. Um, so that's a, a real tough, like, seven-game schedule there. That's why games against the, the, those wizard-type games uh, and even the Hawks um, are games you really want to win because you got some, some tough games coming up. Yeah, and in games like the Raptors where, you're, where you have, you know, the lead with nine minutes left, like, you know, it's, it is interesting. I, I've seen some narrative that, you know, well, every team is blowing leads, so, like, you can't just over-exaggerate over it and get too much on the Knicks losing some of these games because, like, teams are, like, blowing games left and right. And, yes, teams are blowing games left and right. I don't think it's been nearly this extreme with the Knicks. This was not even an extreme example, being up nine with five minutes left. As crazy as that sounds, this was not an extreme example of that. But this is not a team that's, you know, uh, as a town of, like, the Celtics or the Nets or the Bucks, where, yeah, okay, we can throw a couple games out and they'll be fine. Like, they'll still be able to have a secure spot in the playoffs. Like, Every game matters for the Knicks, and 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 the, their inability to finish a game like that, where you got a team that's coming in below 500, five games below 500, and you, you're up by nine points at home, that's a game you just gotta bank away. Like you, you have to bank away. Like good teams win those games. You're talking about separating Knicks from being an average team or just an okay team to being an actual good team. At a certain point, you have to win these games. At a certain point, you have to make free throws. Like it's it's to me absurd that Scotty Barnes, who can't shoot a lick, can come into the Garden and make clutch free throws, and he's waving at the crowd, and he's, he's cheering on the crowd, and he missed the last one, and he almost looked very goofy for doing all that and then getting dunked on. But he comes in, he makes three clutch free throws, and he can't shoot. And then you got you know, Brunson and Randall, two of the best players on the team, two of two, two, the two best players on the team at home, and they're missing clutch free throws. Like, like that that can't happen. Like, I, I, it's hard to say, well, how do you fix it? I don't know. Like, I don't know these guys' shot routine. Like, I, I'm not a shot doctor. But, like, I know they have to make those free throws. Like, I know that if you're going to be a good team, closing teams out when you're at home is a part of that. And you can't have your best players looking shook on the free throw line. And then Scotty Barnes is coming in, and he's making free throws left and right. Like, that that can't happen. So so it is a concern, and they got to find a way to figure this out because uh, that that that's a game they should have won. And when this schedule gets tougher, they're going to look back at that game and say, that's one we should have got. Yeah, definitely, and and again, a lot of it has to do with the the the, the fourth quarter struggles, and that, you yeah. know that that's something that I took a, a look at um, for my newsletter this morning, and it's again a season long issue, um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that, and we've talked about it time and again on this podcast, the Knicks go into that prevent offense in the fourth quarter, the things that have been working well, ball movement, quick decision making, um, you know, they, they seem to those they they seem to abandon those things and revert back to here, you know. Jalen Brunson save us or here, you know, a, yeah. a high it's, screen role. It's that it's that one, two, one and two, one, two man game of Brunson and Randall trying it, to get a switch, and it's all they do. And and it and it, it, it it's proven that it's not successful. I uh, looked at the numbers in the first half of games this season. The Knicks are averaging 117 over 117 points per 100 possessions. That's fourth best in the league offensive rating. In the fourth quarter of games, New York averages 108 points per 100 possession. That's 25th in the league. They're shooting just 43 percent from the floor in the fourth quarter. Only the Rockets have a lower field goal percentage this season. Um, for, here's the the Knicks assist totals by quarter this season. First quarter, 272. Second quarter, 257. Third quarter, 266. Fourth quarter, 209. 
Mm. Um, so, so nearly 50 fewer assists in the fourth quarter. They have the low, they have the worst assist to turnover ratio in the fourth quarter of NBA games this season. And again, we saw it on Monday. They had more turnovers than assists in, in the final quarter. Um, so these are the things that have plagued the team all year long. Well, all right, we got a lead. And, and like, the, you know, they had a 10 point lead with nine minutes ago. We got a lead. Let's just salt it away. You know, you, you see it in football, you know, they, they want to run three downs and, you know, you got to keep yeah. this and the Knicks don't do that enough. And it's come back to bite them time and time and time again. Um, you know, there's a natural tendency there. And now it's starting to become psychological where it's kind of this doom and gloom that hangs over the garden. All right, we're up 10. What, what, what the shoe is going to drop soon. Yeah, how are we going to blow this one? Exactly. And once that starts getting in there, it's, it's tough to break out. And real quickly before we move on, I also think that part of what's playing a factor in this is the fatigue. Because when you play that slow down, grind it out, way of offense towards the end of the game that also is a lot easier to execute health you no know, when you're when you're when you're when you're tired as opposed to all the ball movement all the player movement that you saw for the first three quarters it's much easier to say we're going to walk the ball up we're going to just try to grind out a, a one four picking picking and, pick and pop situation where we can get a switch on randall and we can just throw the ball around the runs and let's just isolate and let everybody stand around. Like that's a lot easier to do in terms of your fatigue level than running the multiple sets, multiple options, uh, ball moving, player moving offense you ran for the first three quarters. And that's what that's what that's the that's one of the receipts you pay when you play your players. I mean, the, the amount of minutes Tom Thibodeau is playing them right now. I'll write a story or post something on on Twitter about the the playing time and and the, and the minutes allocation and without fail a bunch of people reply why are you complaining the Knicks just won a game you know like the the Knicks beat the Pacers who cares if it was close this is why you care if it's close this is why you care if players are are exhausted at the end of games because when it, again keep in mind we're middle of January right now we still got we're barely halfway through this marathon yeah. season you know and and Tibbs has the Knicks best players sprinting at full speed um you know for the first two first two weeks of uh, uh, the uh, the first two weeks of January there's only 200 there's only two players in the NBA that have logged more than 350 minutes they're both Knicks Jalen Brunson mm. and James Randall um you know and, and we'll talk about you know the, the potential trade rumors and things going along those lines tied mm. into that is the fact that Tibbs is you know you know we talked about a nine-man rotation that is basically shrunk to eight and it's basically yeah. of those eight only six play significant minutes um Knicks are over their last 15 games uh their their reserves average only 12.2 minutes uh per night um that's by far the fewest in the league this conversely uh which makes sense the starters average the most uh minutes per game so again this is a a, a situation where a lot of good teams play their players a lot um but at some point you want to find time to 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 scale back their minutes a little bit otherwise and next month in March and April, when things really start to get, you know, dicey and crunchy yep. you know, and, and, and games are the importance of games, you know, start to get ratcheted up. Um, are the Knicks going to have their legs? Are they going to have everybody healthy? We shall see. Yeah, it's going to be something that they're going to have to pay attention to. And, and Tommy... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I mentioned uh, those trade rumors and we got plenty of juicy nuggets on Nick's potential trade activity over the weekend. Let's begin with who is apparently not on the trade market any longer, at least according to Mark Steins, who reported last week that guard Emmanuel quickly is receiving, quote, considerable interest around the league. But the Knicks are reportedly becoming increasingly unwilling to part with their three-year guard out of Kentucky. So Emmanuel quickly, a guy we heard a lot about in trade rumors right now, the Knicks not necessarily thrilled with the idea of, of trading him. And that makes sense given how well he's playing right now. Mark Stein also reported that New York is open to finding a new home for Derrick Rose who has seen little action this season after being removed from the regular rotation. But there is one caveat with that, is that the team wants to, quote, do right by Derrick Rose by sending him to a good situation if they do decide to trade him. And then there was this from Casey Johnson of NBC Chicago. He covers the Chicago Bulls. He said that the Knicks are a team he would keep an eye on when it comes to the potential availability of Alex Caruso. Jones noted that the Knicks have been sending scouts to Bulls games lately, and given the Knicks' problems on the bench, maybe Alex Caruso is a guy they could be interested in. So plenty of nuggets to dive into. Let's start with that Caruso uh, news coming out from Casey Johnson. Uh, do you like the fit of Alex Caruso coming to the Knicks? And what would you be willing to give up in a trade potentially for Alex Caruso? I'm a huge Caruso fan. Um, really likes what he brings to the table. I thought... The Lakers, one of their biggest mistakes when we look back on how do they waste a couple of years of it turns out LeBron is still in his prime, which yeah. is a whole other conversation, which him, you know, averaging, you know, 30, 38 points a game, essentially after turning 38 is just mind boggling stuff. Um, but just the last two years, um, Lakers did that. Caruso was an important contributor on the championship team. Uh, uh, the Bulls, uh, Lakers let him walk. Um, Bulls signed him to a, it, what turns out to be a value contract. He was an important piece of their unsurprising success last season. Um, obviously, Bulls haven't played as well as they like this year. A lot of that has to do with Lonzo Ball not playing well. Caruso missed some games, um, but the Bulls are back on track lately, um, which is obviously we'll talk about that later in the year. But, um, yeah, if, if you have an opportunity to get Caruso, and unfortunately the Bulls are back on track um, because I think they're less likely to move him now that it looks like they're um, right. you know, solidifying themselves as a playing contender. Um you you know Caruso is just a winning player. Um, he's not his his numbers aren't, aren't going to jump off the page at you, um, but he's a versatile defender. We've seen that in the Knicks Bulls games when he switched on to Julius Randle time and time again and prevents Randle from getting the looks that he gets against bigger, stronger opponents. Um, good facilitator offensively, um, can run the floor, incredibly athletic. Um, you know, it can can push the pace. Um, can also score some in the half court. He's not a dynamic scorer by any means, um, but he's basically, uh, you know, Miles McBride on steroids, you know, just an upgrade, right. a little bit more to contribute on the offensive end. Um, so I, I'd love to slide him into that, you know, that that seventh player in the rotation, him and IQ coming together off the bench, because um, that is just a, a great combination. Um, again, with defensive versatility, offensive versatility, I love what he brings to the table. I would be really happy if the Knicks pursued him 
him, um, you know, and, and wanted to bring him to New York. Uh, also, just to, in terms of his contract, yeah. $9 million next, making around 8.9 this season, $9 million next season. Then he then, then there's a team option where he's only paid four. I think he's only due $4 million. Um, you can waive him after the 24, 25 season, but um, that's somebody you want to hold on to. Like that's the, you know, at only $9 million for each of the next two years, that's a, that's a great value contract. Yeah. Look, as soon as I heard about Caruso and the Knicks pitch being interested, I, I jumped on to the very addictive narcotic that is the ESPN trade machine. Cause I said, look, the, the, if Caruso can come to the Knicks and they can get someone who essentially would fill that Miles McBride role that he is filling right now, but struggling a little bit because the offense has just been so bad recently, that would be an absolute coup for the Knicks. So when I say, okay, what could you possibly offer Chicago? Well, the first thing is, well, you know, bringing the prodigal son home, like let Derrick Rose eventually finish his career in Chicago because there's this, report by mark signs that makes it willing to trade him but they want to send him to a quote-unquote good situation chicago sounds like a good situation i mean uh, he got the standing ovation earlier this season we know he's of course from chicago he's a chicago legend and icon maybe you send them back there and chicago could use that scoring off the bench that wouldn't be a trade that maybe wouldn't feel like chicago is throwing in the towel per se like they could feel like hey we need some extra scoring on this bench we need some some more pop and, and make Derrick rose and do that and we bring a home a, a a legend so Derrick rose does have a, a lot of money coming his way so matching the money was a little tricky but if you include uh you know something like Derrick rose and uh and then in the, for the bulls you say okay we'll give you caruso be throwing someone like andre drummond the deal works there i don't know how much the bulls are in love with keeping andre drummond around there's also as an alternative maybe you say okay cam reddish and isaiah hardenstein and we do the same deal we get Caruso, we get Drummond. Uh, both of those trades, by the way, do nothing in terms of John Hollander's affecting the win percentage that I thought was interesting. So in some ways, that tells you it's pretty fair. In some ways, maybe you said maybe we're overrating Caruso's potential impact given what he's done this year. But something along those lines would be deals I would be very interested in. Uh, I think that the Cam Reddish-Hartenstein combination actually would make a lot of sense because you, you trade Hartenstein, you bring Drummond in. Drummond could potentially fill the Hartenstein role. Or he just sits on the bench and Jericho Sims fills that role. And Cam Reddish is not playing right now. You bring in Caruso, who would be an uh, absolute great fit here. And Caruso is so tough. I mean, he could play small ball three. Like, he, he's he's that physical. He's that much of a of, of a pit bull. So, um, not necessarily a small forward, obviously, but a guy who, if he went small, you feel comfortable having him out there. And he just he feels like a guy that was destined to play under Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know if there's a player that hasn't played for him yet that I look around the league and say, okay, that guy – He's a tips guy. I would love Caruso. Any interest in any of those deals potentially when you're talking about the Knicks and Bulls? Yeah, so that's the same thing I looked at. Obviously, if the Bulls want um, Rose, any part of Rose, that's a no-brainer. Um, right. you, you said because Rose would obviously, you would think, you'd assume he'd love to go back to his hometown. You assume the fans would love it. Um, but at this stage of the game, that's a major downgrade in the rotation for Chicago um, to go from Caruso to Rose, um, uh, you know, so it, it, would Rose, can Rose still provide a spark? Sure. You know, would I bet against them making, you know, if it got pushed into playing some, some minutes for a couple weeks in a row? No, um, I'd have confidence and hope that he could bounce back and maybe the rest has done his knees, you know, in his body. Right. Um, uh, but that being said, assuming they don't want Rose, um, those are the, the, the combo you stated was what I thought made the most sense when I was playing around with the trade machine was the Cam Reddish, Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, 
uh, and the Knicks wouldn't, uh, the Bulls rather wouldn't even have to give up Drummond if they want to hold on to Drummond. That's fine if you include Tony Bradley right. um, in the uh, you know in, in re- replace Drummond's. Uh, you know if the if the Bulls would rather hold on to Drummond, that's fine. Again, the Knicks have Mitch Rob and Jericho Sims, so they can afford. Um, and, and Tony Bradley would be the emergency uh, the third center. Um, so that is something I would, I would definitely look at, um, Hartenstein, although he hasn't, you know, kind of fulfilled his, you know, his promise with the Knicks, he's definitely still his value around the league. Um, if the Bulls were one of the teams that were interested in signing him, um, that might make some sense. Um, Knicks could also include Miles McBride in the deal too, um, just to give the, the, the Bulls back some youth. I'd prefer to hold on to McBride, um, yeah. and, you know, for, for what he brings, but if you get in, if you bring in a Caruso and we already know that the rotations, um, you know, less two games, McBride hasn't gone on the hasn't played a second in the in the in the second half of games so he's clearly his his trust and he and he's and he's he's a zero offensively right now his, his confidence is shot um and he's just not knocking down shots so that's you know um the question is i i don't think the bulls would do that i think it would be close um if the knicks had to throw in a couple second rounders i'd do that in a heartbeat um yes. the question is do the knicks move um one of their future first again they have seven over the next 10 years um uh, I, I would assume they. I certainly wouldn't want to give up one of my own. I would the Knicks do one of the protected picks, whether it's the Wizards pick or the the uh, the Bucks pick or or something yeah. along, those, along those lines, along with Hardenstein and Reddish for Caruso um, and either Drummond. That's a that's an offer the Bulls. I would think would seriously to, seriously consider that. Yeah, well, I that, agree with that. That that that's but that's you know that that's what the Knicks would would probably have to give up. I think I would I think I could talk myself into that. Um, again, at some point you're going to have to consolidate these picks. Obviously, you want to hold on to them to get that superstar. Um, but you know, given Caruso's contract, again, less than ten million for each of the next two seasons. If I'm another team, let's say it's the Timberwolves who decide Carl Anthony Towns says I'm out or it's the Suns or whatever the case is, whatever superstar X demands to be traded. If I'm that team, if I'm the Timberwolves, I'd rather have Caruso, let's say a, a year from now. So a, a year and a half of Caruso on a value contract than a top 19 protected first round pick. Um, that would kind of vary from, from general manager to general manager, but I think it's worth the Knicks to take that gamble. Um, and, and cause what Caruso would bring you in the meantime, again, Knicks are, you know, one of the 10 to probably 11th best record in the NBA right now, top eight net rating. They're a pretty good team. Um, they're certainly not going to, you know, all of a sudden go into a, a landslide and make a run for a yeah. high lottery pick. So if that's the trajectory you're on, um, and there's, there's no reason to believe that they're going to, you know, reverse course this off season, um, again. And even if you did that, um, Caruso's contract is by no means unmovable. Um, I just, I like what he brings to the table. I like his contract. Um, and considering that, um, you know, that, that Hardenstein is a relatively valuable chip, Cam Reddish, you know, maybe the Bulls, you know, feel that they can, you know, find some minutes for him and give him a spark. Um, I think it's a deal that, that makes some sense. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bulls would if they if you throw one of those protections, I think they will definitely consider it. I would probably be a little more resistant to giving up the protected first because then I would wonder, okay, what else is out there as an option? Because essentially, the, the, what we've been told that Knicks are protecting hold these picks because you know they can get some great star uh, with 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 these picks. Now they tried with Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz said, no, you need to give us these unprotected picks. So. I don't know if now the protects become kind of your uh, your protection, where essentially you say, okay, if we have to give up a bunch of unprotected, we have these first round picks that eventually will convey. But uh, but if you do give up for Caruso, and then you do end up making that trade in the future for someone else 
ex-name star, and now you have no first-round picks you can kind of move, that would be just my only reluctance with that. I do want to point out the, the the report that from signed that the Knicks are right now reluctant to trade RQ, even though he's garnering a lot of interest. How much do you buy that 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 reluctance will 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 remain, and that the Knicks will be, um, in my opinion, smart? But let's just say they'll be, uh, you know, patient or they'll be disciplined and not giving up IQ here. IQ is not going anywhere. Um, I, I would I would be shocked if they consider trade him. He's been uh, arguably, and it's a pretty easy argument to make over the last month. He's been the team's third best player. Um, mm-hmm. a, a guy on a rookie contract. Again, you're gonna have to, you know, the the, the market is gonna dictate. Um, you know, kind of what, where you stand with him. Uh, it'd be very interesting. Those guys will, um, IQ's team and, and, and Leon Rose in the front office will play a very interesting game of chicken um, over much of next offseason, kind of figuring out. Um, we saw them do with RJ Barrett. Um, they waited forever before they signed him to an extension. Um, yeah. You know, he got up to 180 million, ended up, you know, around 120, but that's only 104 guaranteed. Um, so certainly far below max. max uh, RJ, you would assume IQ would be looking at around 80 million if I'm just off the top of my head, you know, something 75 over five to four years, something along those lines. Um, but he's not going to come dirt cheap, but he's not going to be anywhere near a max. He's kind of in between that, that in between area. Um, but yeah, I mean, as Stein reported, other teams are very interested in. Sure, a guy that's averaging 18, 4, and 4 and plays really solid defense, um, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Um, I would want him on my team as well, a guy that can yeah. defend multiple you know, positions in the backcourt. Um, so uh, I think he's part of what the Knicks are trying to build going forward. I think he's earned Tibbs' trust, and, and there's no reason to not trust the kid. Um, you know, And he's just one of those kids that it seems like he really enjoys playing in New York, has a little swagger, a little, little pop to his game. It seems like he gets up for games at the Garden. So um, – encouraging to hear that the Knicks are, you know, seemingly reconsidering their, you know, their, their, maybe it was just posturing whatever rumors might yeah. have, might have led to that, uh, you know, that, that those reports surfacing where they might consider trade IQ. Um, I think they've seen the light now and, and uh, are, would be, would have to be blown away in order to, and listen, there's definitely trades that you include IQ in making um, yeah. for, for the right deal. But just in terms, you know, there was a wild report that they were going to include him just to get off Horny's contract. Or yes. Something yeah. along those lines. That's, that, that's, that's crazy. And obviously that won't be the case. Now we'll see, we'll see how, 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 how strident they are in, in holding them on going forward. Yeah. I, I remember that was some of the earliest conversations we had when we started this yeah. podcast and, those that was the kind of darkest timeline we were living in as the Knicks. Yeah. And, you know, I just got blown up by Dallas and they, they beat Cleveland. But it was like, uh, we don't know how the season's going to go. And then right. lo and behold, eight game win streak. But yeah, around that time, you were hearing those IQ rumors. And as you mentioned, he's just been so great. And and the one thing that I think is encouraging about how he's played is sometimes we forget how young these players are. Like Emmanuel quickly is 23 years old. Um, he'll be 24 this offseason. Like he's nowhere near the prime of his career. And you're seeing him play at this level. I mean, he looks like a guy who absolutely would be a six man of the year type of guy. That's not someone you get off of for the sake of uh, getting off him because you don't want to you know, pay him or you don't you feel like you, you can get off one of your other contracts. That's not, that's not the kind of move you make. Uh, you right. try to lock that guy in long term. If things don't work out, things don't work out. But, yeah, he's been phenomenal. And I think it, it is a good sign to hear. You know, saying, hey, this is a guy Knicks were talking to teams about. Now when teams call and they're very interested, and I can imagine so with the way he's playing, they're saying, I don't think so. That's what you want to hear if you're a Knicks fan. So great to hear Manuel quickly 
maybe uh, staying put after all. But um, like I said, we do have to get to our midseason grade for the forwards. So we've been doing midseason grades pretty much the last week or so. And, and we're nearing the end here. We've done the coach. We've done the front office. We did the guards. And today on this episode, we will talk about the forwards. So is a group that is, of course, led by Jules Randall, who has had a return to form this season. Randall leads the team in both scoring and rebounding. R.J. Barrett has bounced back from a cold start again to another season to pick up his play on both sides of the ball. And despite the play from R.J. and Randall, we have seen some injuries and uneven play kind of affect the rest of the forwards on this team. So Obi Toppin missed a month of time with a leg injury. Cam Reddish fell out of the rotation when Tibbs committed to only playing nine guys and changed up the rotation. So somewhat of a mixed bag when it comes to these forwards. So I'm curious what Tommy will say. So let's begin with our grades. We'll go first with Julius Randle. What grade are you giving Julius? I'll give him a B plus. Um, you know, if he's really on the borderline, you could definitely give him an A or, or an A minus. I wouldn't argue with you. Um, just a little bit late game decision making. It kind of is wrapped into, you know, part of that could be blamed on the uh, minutes exhaustion issue. Um, but yeah, just, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 he's, like some other Knicks, he allows double teams to get to him, make some bad passes. Um, he still has some some issues defensively, losing guys, and he's he's made up for it with effort plays, which you love to yes. see some blocks yeah. and, and some help defense stuff. Um, but some of that, some of those great blocks are the result of him losing guys back door and and, and things along those lines. Um, but yeah, just in terms of effort and intensity, uh, angle you know, focuses a little bit too much at the refs at times, um, which which seems to kind of hold them back. Um, but all things considered, um, he's uh, 15 rebounds in five straight games. That's the longest streak by. And Nick uh, since Willis Reed in 1970. It's been a beast on the boards, um, playing with great effort offensively, uh, uh, defensively, yep. seeing the floor, um, getting you know valuable assists. He did a good job seeing Mitch in the first quarter. I'd like to see him do it more often throughout the game. Um, but yeah, just everything he brings to the table. Um, I, you can't ask for more, especially coming off the unprofessional issues that that he was dealing with last season and his and his play and production and attitude on the court it's been a complete 180 lots of credit to julius randall he deserves it yeah i mean he had a heel turn last season and he's back to being a baby face now if you're a wrestling fan you know exactly what i mean he was a villain last year seemed committed to the bit for an entire season no idea why but that's just what it was and this year as we've heard mike green say i don't know 785 times this season that he's smiling all the time. Uh, and I love Mike Green. I, I, so shout out to Mike Green. But we've heard that narrative all year. And for the most part, he's held up to that. Uh, he's He's been a much better teammate. He's been a much better leader. He has uh, played much better on both sides of the ball. So I'm going to give him an A-. minus. Like I, I've been uh, one of Julius's hardest critics, but it's really hard to criticize anything he's done for the totality of the season. Of course, he has lapses because he's not a perfect player. But when you consider the, the efficiency going back up to those 2021 levels, when you consider the effort and the leadership we're seeing looking similar to what we saw in 2000 and, and, and 20, 2021, and him being able to keep the team afloat when those injuries happened. Like the injuries, the Knicks had a really bad stretch where uh, you had those injuries, and they did have a losing streak during that. But Julius Randle's, um, the quality of his play and the effort of his play never wavered, even when the Knicks were struggling, which is a great sign because we see that that can affect his game a great deal. So, Julius has been fantastic, so he gets an A-minus from me. Let's go to R.J. Barrett. 
RJ Barrett, what are you giving his grade this year? Uh, I'm right on the borderline of a of a B minus C plus. Um, mm. Numbers are really solid. Uh, 20, 20 points, five point five rebounds, uh, ar- around three assists. Turnovers a little bit higher than you like. He's averaging a career high two point three turnovers. Um, uh, and efficiency wise, again, that's that's the bugaboo. That's the issue for for Barrett. Uh, uh, shooting thirty two point six percent from downtown. Um, you know, he he needs to be around that thirty five percent mark. Um, to his credit, he's shooting a career high seventy five point seventy five percent from the stripe um, and and forty two percent from the floor. Um, the thing with with Randall, although the numbers on paper look good, I think he's taken a step back defensively this season. And also, oh, Barry, me, yeah, I'm Barrett. I'm sorry, yeah. Um, uh, he, he, the, you know, I think he's taking a step back defensively this season. I agree. And also the inconsistency, the number, even though the numbers are good, he'll go, he'll you know, he have, he'll have 32, then seven, then he'll, you know, shoot 10 for 11 from the free throw line, then one for set one for four. And, you know, and then, you know, and, and he'll go for two weeks and, you know, shoot 19% from the floor. So that type of stuff, <laughs> yeah. I think he, he needs to develop. Um, you know, he started off the season slow and credit, he, you know, he's built it back up. Um, I'm still high on Barrett, still a guy you want to build around. Um, but I think he just, you know, there, there's definitely room for improvement and hasn't taken that step that I think a lot of Nick fans were hoping he would this season. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I will, maybe I'm, I'm becoming the, uh, the, the good, good cop here, but I'm gonna give Barrett a higher grade. I, I'm gonna give him a B. I'm gonna give him a solid B. And I think that, you know, one of Barrett's, one of the bugaboos of his career has been like, we have these very intense swings where he can play really poorly and play really well. I feel like this year has been a little different because I feel like the length of time where he's played consistently well has been a lot longer. Like, I feel like this time it feels a lot more like his sophomore year where like after that rough stretch, he kind of played the same way for the rest of the season. Like pretty much after the first two months of the season, He's been a guy averaging 21 points, 22 points, shooting around 44, 45 something field. And if you told me that those are going to be his numbers for the entire season, before the season, I would have said, that's great. That's great growth. He's doing a great job. That's exactly what you want him to see. And RJ really is becoming the potential all-star we hope he can be. Because he had that terrible start of the year where he was sick and he jump shot was broken, the numbers now kind of vert to the mean of him kind of looking kind of like what he was essentially last season for the entirety of the season. We look at the numbers. They're very similar, but I think the way he's gotten there is a little different. I think the trajectory is going up. So, so I think because of that trajectory looking up, I think because you're seeing much more consistent play from RJ, the fact that he came back from that finger injury and has essentially been really solid since like, like that's really great to see. Like I was very concerned how he would look and uh, he came back at 27 in the first game. He had 32 in the game against Toronto in the loss. Uh, you know, now I do think there are games where it's frustrating to watch him play in games and have like these wild streaks, like this game on Monday, where he started like one for eight or one for nine, and you're like, Oh god, what's this gonna be? And then, you know, he can't make it, he, he pretty much made every other shot he took the rest of the game, and you're like, They, they could have used this in the first half. So, I like to see him in game play more consistently, but I think at least over the course of a season, we're starting to see a little bit more consistent margin. So, I'm more positive, I'm gonna give him a B for this, for this uh run so far. Um, Let's get to Obi Toppin, a guy who's been injured for a part of this season and a guy who has struggled to get consistent minutes even when he's been healthy. What about Obi Toppin this season? What grade for him? 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to give the same grade to Obi and Reddish, and that's that's incomplete. Um, I think it's mm. kind of I think it's kind of hard to give him a grade. Um, last six games, Obi's played uh, less than you know he's, he's averaging ten minutes less than ten minutes a game. He hasn't attempted more than five shots in a game. I'm just looking at his game chart here. He's only attempted more than five shots in a game once since Thanksgiving. Um, you know, just uh, again, part of it has to do with Randall playing really well and and earning minutes. And Tibbs having no fear and, and and rolling Randall out there till his wheels fall off, um, yeah. and then and then Tibbs not uh, you know not trying that four or five Randall Toppin combo um, that that we talked about earlier in the season. Despite Hardenstein's struggles, I'd still like to see some more of that. Um, so does Obi need to shoot the ball better? Absolutely, um, shooting a career low forty percent from the floor. Um, he is making 35% of his threes, which you'll take. Um, he's also shooting over 84% from the line, which is solid. Um, but again, I, I can't really knock the guy. Um, it's hard to develop a rhythm when you play four minutes a half. Um, and that, and that's really all, all, all Obi has done. Um, it's not like he's not blown the doors off, uh, you know, and, you know, wowed anybody in those limited minutes of late, um, still needs to improve defensively, um, still kind of doesn't see the floor. Well, on that end of the floor gets, gets beat back door, um, closes out too quickly and, you know, and, and as defenders blow by him, um, he's just really not, despite his athleticism, he's not blessed with that quick lateral quickness, um, yeah. that kind of that fast switch. Um, you know, defensive hip movement that you, that you really see from the elite defenders. Um, but uh, again, part of it's that he has to he has to prove more in limited playing time. But you know, big picture, I can't really kill a guy um, when he hasn't been given an opportunity to prove himself. Interesting, there. I, I'm incomplete. I, I, if I had to give Obi a grade, I would give him. I'm gonna give him a grade. I think he's played enough, even though he did have that injury. Like there's enough games in his logs. Okay, I can give him a grade. I, I will give him a C plus. I am probably one of the biggest OB stands that are out there. And I thought that this season he started the year really well. I mean, that, that those first that first month of the season, he's averaging 9.5 points. He's shooting 56% from the field, 50% from three. I mean, he, he started the year as the Knicks best three-point shooter, which was crazy because nobody else was shooting the ball well. And, you know, I got to be keeping it real. Like, he was playing decent minutes up until that point because he was playing so well. And those minutes started to decrease as he started to struggle and Randall started to play better. And I, I can't really kill Tibbs for deciding that I need to ride Randall a little more because Obi's not really giving me much. And, you know, the next month he shot only 39% from the field. And then, you know, January was short. It was only three games before he got hurt, but he was shooting 26% in that little stretch. He was struggling mightily. And he's come back, and it's you know it's been a very mixed bag because he, he's just getting back into his rhythm, and I, I think that he can get back to the to the, to the playing shape that he was earlier this season. But I think there's enough time to watch this and say he's not giving them enough, and you do start to wonder what his fit is on this team because it, it, Randall is not going anywhere um, right now, especially given how he's playing and how the team is playing, and it just feels like Ob is a player that he's going to go somewhere else, and he's going to really kind of find where kind of player he is. It just doesn't feel like this is going to work out here, which is entirely unfortunate because I really think that he could be um, the next power forward of the future. But the problem is they, they may have that guy already starting. Fascinating to think what other GMs might value. You know, in other words, if they put a for sale sign around them, 
um, fascinating to see what kind of offers they get back. Chances are one of the other 29 teams in the league would be willing to roll the dice on Obi. Um, but again, it's not like the Knicks have, you know, have a great need. You know, it's not like they were going to trade him for another backup power forward. Like the Randall's going to play 35 minutes a night. So, um, and they don't need any more draft picks. They don't, you know, so they have a kind of, a, you know, if they could get like a great six man, um, you know, Caruso type player, maybe that's yeah. something that they consider. Yeah. Um, would be interesting. And real quickly, why the incomplete on Reddish? Just though, not enough, not enough time. Yeah, just the same. The guys have played in a month. I, I mean, if I give him a grade, I'd probably be C minus D. You know, in, in, in that range at best. Um, you know, he played well for a stretch. Led the Knicks in minutes per you know minutes played per game over that weird you know West Coast road trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he I think he exceeded expect. You know, came out a little bit poorly, then exceeded expectations for a few weeks. Um, then went then went back to being basically inconsequential, unplayable. But I think it's somewhat unfair given you know in other words, if he was on another team, if he was on Houston or San Antonio or the Thunder, you know, some team that was kind of Detroit, if he, the team that was in rebuild mode and he played 23 minutes a night, um, I think he'd give you a decent production. Um, played a little bit better defensively than I thought he would this season. Um, but again, you know, the same reason the Knicks are moving, looking to move him, um, same reason the Hawks are looking to move him. I, my sense is he thinks he's probably a better player than he actually is. Um, he's not willing to do the dirty work type stuff. Um, yeah. You know, but again, you know, it, it's tough to give a guy a really tough, bad grade um, when he hasn't seen the floor in, in, in six weeks. Yeah, I mean, if I was giving him a grade, I'd give him a C plus. Like, I, I think that uh, when he's played, he's tried. I think he's been a pretty good soldier. Um, he's had some huge games. Uh, the Utah game comes to, the, to mind. Uh, the game in Philly where I think he's maybe saved Tom Thibodeau's job. Uh, it was a weird game, but he had some defense stops in 4-4. So he had some great moments this season. In that blowout loss, they had the OKC at 26. But I, I, it, he just – he's not a high basketball IQ player. And I think sometimes, ironically, the more minutes he plays, it's it's there's a chance he it could go more disastrous. Like he can he can have big games, he can have great games, but I think what I saw from him is there are just too many lapses at times. There are too many times where he's not it's whether it's shot selection, where it's you know even though the effort on the defense is a lot better, he's not kind of paying attention to the right you know uh, scouting report or not getting the right assignment. And at, at a certain point, those guys kill you over time. I think that's why he's never really been a player on a winning team. Uh, I think he's a player that someone should take a chance on and develop because he's got talent. But right now, I, I don't, I, I don't know if he's really like a guy who changes much life for the Knicks right now. Like I don't think that uh, even though the Knicks desperately need a guy who can score on the wing and guard some people right. for the time he'd be playing. I just don't know if it's worth it given that he wants a bigger role, which we already know. So uh, I'll give Cameron a C plus. I think that he, he's done some good things, but, at the end of the day, it will not be a season that he ends in New York City, that's for sure. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Orange and Blue Bus. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tommy, let the people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. Or if this is a New York Knicks podcast, you can get anywhere you get your podcast, including the free Aussie app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature and the hit the subscribe feature so that you can get these episodes whenever we drop. We will have two more episodes out this week, so make sure you stay locked in here. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.